previously on Bullets and Rust. I thought I was so fucking clever. Just a couple hours after I solved the murder of Spencer Ghent and managed to keep Justine's hands clean, I had a realization. Kindle must be the one who took Liam. It came to me while my new assistant Sam and I were talking on the shore of Lake Erie. Sam described how she and her mother used to sometimes sneak across the lake late at night. That was when I realized that Mercy and Kindle had a family home they'd inherited in Canada. After Killian left the room, it would have been easy for Kindle to smuggle him across. She was gone when Killian woke, returning with coffee. But what if that was a convenient excuse, cover for the fact that she'd been gone all night? And by staging the event after a romantic encounter, which involved some rough role-play, it would look to all involved that Killian was a violent sociopath. It was the perfect way to take him down. Killian had tried to play hardball when they talked about a divorce, threatening to take full custody of their son. Kindle might not be the warmest mother, but that must have been a bridge too far. By framing Killian, she could sneak away after his arrest and flee with Liam, somewhere far away. But the entire case is circumstantial. What I need is proof. A confession. I called Kindle's sister, Mercy, thinking she could help me get it. She asked to meet in a small warehouse by the river, one of dozens that have laid vacant for the decades since the city's industrial decline. It's a perfect meeting place. Quiet, secluded, discreet. Of course, these days they're not quite as secluded as they used to be. There's yuppie condos being built in the hills overhead. I could hear their music playing as I went inside. And just when I thought everything was coming together, Mercy arrived with a gun in her hand. What the fuck?
The strange thing about being shot is that it doesn't hurt. Not at first. In those first few moments, you feel the tug of the bullet pulling backwards against your body, this sudden pressure that feels unbearable and numb all at the same time. You feel the pain a few seconds later. It comes in a wave, rushing in the wound. Then you can barely feel anything else. My knees buckle. I slam down onto them with such force that for a moment my whole body shakes. Then I tumble forward, my hands shooting out. I manage to catch myself half a second before I slam face first into the concrete floor. The pain shoots up my gut again. Fuck. I, I think I'm gonna die. The room's a bit of a blur, until I hear the click of Mercy's shoes crossing the floor. Looking up, I can see them. Mercy's gun remains pointed towards the ground until she's just a few feet away. Then, slowly, she lifts it up, and I remember everything I've experienced since the day I took this case. The whole last week. Everything that brought me here. It all comes rushing back. I never should have taken this case. What the hell was I thinking? I reached into my jacket pocket, but it's fucking empty. I'd put my gun in the glove box after Aristotle shot Rennie this morning. At the time, I couldn't imagine ever pointing it at another human being. Now, I curse myself for not bringing it along. I realize I'm about to get shot in the face. I'm sorry about this, Mr. Adams. I promise. It's nothing personal. Nothing personal? Who the fuck does she think she's kidding? She's got a gun pointed square at my forehead. It's hard to get much more personal than that. But her hand isn't steady. It's wobbling. My, my only hope of surviving this is to convince her not to pull the trigger. Mercy, I ask. Why? Because I can't let you ruin it. Not after all I've done to put this into motion. You? My mouth's gone dry. There's something warm there, too. It might be blood. Mercy's gun wobbles a little bit more. I'm sorry. I came here to talk about Kindle. When I say her sister's name out loud, I can see Mercy's eyes go wide. She lifts the weapon for a better look. What about her? She... she didn't take Liam? You thought that she... oh shit. I came to ask you for help. To get a confession. Mercy stamps her left foot. The floorboards groan loudly in protest. Neglect has left them weak, dry. I try to keep my focus, but the place where she shot me hurts like hell. God damn it, Zeke! Why the hell didn't you say that? At this point, I might as well tell her the truth. I was afraid you'd try to warn her. If I had a chance to talk to you in person, I... I, I thought I could convince you. I watch as she curses under her breath. Then she paces back and forth. My lifeblood is seeping on the floor while she debates with herself what she ought to do next. Finally... She comes to a stop and looks me dead in the eye. How could you think it was Kindle? She... Her voice trails off. I thought she hid Liam in Canada. Took a boat across the lake. She... She only went back to Killian when he threatened to fight for sole custody. If she had the courage to do something like that, we wouldn't be here. Fuck! If she had just had the courage to leave that son of a bitch. But she didn't, Zeke. She went back to him. After all I did for her. After I begged her to stay away for the safety of her child. She really loves him. They say women are attracted to men that remind them of their fathers. That's a sick joke. Our father's a rotten bastard who's burning in hell if there's any justice in the world. How could Kendall choose to spend her life with a man like that? 
Well, I wasn't going to let her. If not for her, then for her son. My nephew. I wasn't going to let Liam live through that. God damn it. Of course. Why hadn't I seen it all along? Why hadn't I suspected Mercy from the start? Because Mercy had an alibi, that's why. One that Blake West had assured me was airtight. Fucking bastard. They'd scanned her passport at the border. That was on file. But if Kindle could sail up to Canada from Cleveland, what was there to stop Mercy from sailing down? Now, of course, the phone call made sense. She hadn't forgotten about Kindle and Killian's special night. She'd laid a trap. She called her sister to spoil the mood, to keep her attention just long enough for him to walk out the door, to remove any chance he would have of having an alibi. And by calling right then, she knew that they were far away from their condo. Smuggling Liam away must have been easy. No one was expecting to see her, and who would question an aunt carrying her sleeping nephew to the car? W what about Liam? What happened to him? Like you care. I don't give a shit about Killian or his case, Mercy. The only reason I'm here is because of the kid. I can see that that affects her. It makes her hesitate. Good. We both care about the boy. My humanity makes me harder to kill. Unlike Aristotle, Mercy's not a sociopath. She's struggling to build up the courage to squeeze the trigger, but it's hard. Right now, Mercy is wrestling with the Right now, Mercy is wrestling with whether or not she's the sort of person who can take a life. I love my nephew, Zeke. I'm doing this for him. Don't you see that? Stealing him from his parents? Framing his father for his murder? How can he not? What's he saying now? He's been gone for more than a week. Hasn't he asked for his father yet? I see her shake her head. I've overstepped, gone several inches too far. He's not going to learn about any of that. He's not awake. And when he comes to, we're going to be far away. And I'll tell him a story that he won't ever have to worry about. You've kept him drugged this whole time? Sedated. There's a nurse who comes by the house that takes care of him. She doesn't know I've added sedatives to the IV bags. She thinks he was hurt skiing, and when Liam wakes up, I'll tell him there was a car accident. He won't need his parents anymore. I'll tell him that I've been given custody, that I, that I couldn't bear to stay there after what happened. So we moved, and we will have moved. We'll be halfway across the world. That's not as far away as it used to be, Mercy. What happens when he Googles what happened to his father? There are places without Google, Zeke. It's going to work. Just as soon as Killian implodes, there'll be an uproar in this city. The man behind such an important case whose son mysteriously disappeared? That the police haven't done anything? The story will wipe him out of office and half of his corrupt cronies with him. Then there'll be a trail. They won't even need a body. And as everyone attests to how much of a monster he can be, I'll be quietly moving to a remote home where we'll be free of this circus. You can't run away from this. Yes, I can! She lifts the gun again, the barrel pointed right between my eyes. I'm sorry, Zeke. You're not a bad man. But you've got yourself caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Christ, she really might shoot me. Is this what you want for Liam? If you murder me, how are you any better than... The gun pulls away. Mercy steps forward and hits me in the jaw. Don't you dare compare me to him. He's a monster. I fall face first onto the floor. I think I broke my nose in the process. Now, lifting my eyes up off the ground... I need to make her feel the full weight of what she's trying to do. And if you shoot me, what'll, what will you be then, Mercy? I'm only doing what I have to do. For him? For Kendall? Bullshit. You're doing this for you. 
for some bullshit concept of revenge. She's still got the gun raised, but it's shaking so much that it's hard to know where it would actually hit if she pulled the trigger. You want to destroy Killian, right? Well, you already have. All you need to do is go to the press with what happened. They'll reveal that he covered up his son's kidnapping to protect his career. He'll be finished. That's not enough. Mercy, how far do you need- He'll still get to Liam. He'll still ruin him. He'll still do to him what my father did to me. I'm not going to let that happen. Mercy, you're not thinking straight. I don't have a choice, Zeke. It's the only way to make sure that Liam's free. Killing is a choice, Mercy. This is murder, pure and simple. You can't spin this as anything else. Oh god, she's still trying to point it at my face, but the gun is wavering. It's moving several inches up and down. It's not what I wanted, but this is where we are. You don't have to do this. Nothing's happened yet that can't be undone. It's a hard world, Zeke. That's the reality. Come on, Zeke. Think of something clever to say. Talk your way out of this. Goodbye. I'm sorry it came to this, but there's nothing else to do. Mercy aims the gun again, and she turns her head away. She adjusts her grip. She's working hard to talk herself into this, but she's not a natural killer. She's not a sociopath. She's not Aristotle. She's not Quentin. She's not Michael Trovalone. Back in World War II, the army did a study of its soldiers, asking them to answer on secret ballots if, when forced into battle, whether or not they'd actually aim to try and hit the other guys. Now this is World War II, mind you, against actual fucking Nazis. But still, more than half the soldiers reported that they'd purposely tried to miss their targets. Most murders? They're crimes of passion. It's not often that a sane person, if given a chance to think it over, will make the conscious decision to kill someone. That's the tipping point where Mercy finds herself. Looking closely as I am at her hand, I see a slight change in the tension of her fingers. That's the split-second warning I have that she's about to fire. At the same time that she pulls the trigger, I jerk myself sideways. I fall to the ground like a limp sack of potatoes, hoping desperately that she just assumes that she shot me. It's not a particularly good plan, but you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. For a moment, everything remains still. Then, I hear the floorboards creak. Mercy is walking in my direction. Damn it. Ah, fuck. We tell ourselves that we don't want to see bad things, but most people rubberneck when they're driving past an accident. That was the same impulse that made Mercy step over to me, deciding to kick my body with her left toe. You stupid man. Her eyes look down. They meet mine and there's a split second of confusion. That's my window, before she realizes her mistake and tries to shoot me again. I kick with my right leg, aiming for her knee. I'm only going to get one chance at this. What the? My leg lashes out. It slams into her kneecap and Mercy screams. Ah! Sitting up, my gut erupts in pain. I'm doing my best to ignore it, but god damn it, it hurts. I reach for Mercy's right hand, which is still clutching her pistol. My fingers wrap around the barrel, pulling it down, but she holds it firmly. She stumbles forward and I'm lifted several inches off the ground. Damn it! You're not a killer, Mercy. Another gunshot cuts through the empty warehouse. Let go! Mercy keeps her grip on the weapon. I might be bigger than she is, but I'm wounded, I'm tired, and I'm rapidly losing blood. All that, and Mercy's a lot tougher than she looks. She reaches forward and hits me across the temple with her other hand. My head slams against the floorboards. 
For a moment, everything spins. I'm still holding on to the gun, but I can feel my grip starting to slip. Mercy feels it, too. Reaching forward, she slams my head down for a second time. I see a thousand colored dots and my hand goes limp. Mercy pulls back, stepping a dozen feet away as she struggles to catch her breath. We're both in bad shape, but she missed a chance to press her advantage. She only realizes that when the moment is past. Fuck. Mercy. Shut up, Zeke. Just shut up! I can hardly talk anyway. As she steadies herself against the far wall, I'm struggling to think of anything I can do. I, I don't want to die here. Jesus, look at you. You're bleeding everywhere. I remain silent. I need to save my strength. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I have to try something. You're already dead, Zeke. This... this is just a mercy shot. Your sister. In my head, I'm saying more. In my head, I'm saying more. In my head, I'm telling her that Kindle will never forgive her, that she'll hate Mercy for the rest of their lives, even more than she ever hated their father. It's supposed to hurt her, to distract her. It's probably even true. But that's just incidental. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I can't even find the strength to say the words. My sister? Is that what you're trying to say? <coughs> I'm dizzy and out of breath, so I, I don't even try to answer. I Mercy might be right. I might not make it out of here anyway. My sister is weak, okay? She's a coward. She couldn't leave Killian, not even to save her son. Well, I'm not like her, Zeke. I'm strong. I'm not going to let Killian turn his son into a monster like he is. I'm not going to let him bring all those years of pain and confusion into my nephew's life. At some point, someone has to take a stand against a monster like that. Shaking her head. I wonder how long it's going to take her to finally kill me. There's not much I can do. I'm too weak to get up off the floor, and she's not going to get that close to me again. She's too smart for that. I'm fucked. But Mercy, she's still trying to get her composure back. She's not used to violence, not doling it out anyway. That takes a toll. Then, she turns her head slowly towards the window. What the hell is that? I lift my head. There's a sound coming. Holy fuck. Is that the cops? I can't believe it. They can't possibly get in here in time. Not to save me. But Mercy. She, she's not getting out of this either. Not without a pair of silver bracelets. There's only one road in or out. How the fuck? Are they coming here? Suddenly, I realize exactly why. Yuppie condos. I mutter. I saw them as I drove up. There's a whole bunch of them being built up by the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. A decade ago, Mercy could have shot me here and left me without worry. No one would have found the body for months. Now, there were yuppie condos within earshot. Maybe the first one didn't get any attention, but the second? The third? Yuppies love nothing more than to report something sketchy to the police. Mercy had given them plenty of reasons to call. They couldn't have heard it all the way down here. Even as the words leave her lips, I can see that she doesn't believe it. Truthfully, gunshots are a lot louder than the movies make them seem. At this time of night, there's not a lot of noise anyway. All it would take would be someone sitting on their back porch, overlooking the river. They'd hear the shots with shocking clarity. Mercy runs to the window. Flashes of red and blue are starting to stream through the window. They paint her face, revealing hard lines she'd been so careful to hide before. Sirens, it turns out, 
are not particularly flattering. Even now, I don't hate her. I pity her. She's a victim of violence as much as she's a perpetrator. Bruises may heal, but some wounds fester for the rest of your life. Years after he was dead, her dad was still hurting her. Of course her plan was crazy. Maybe she even knew it. But she was so desperate to bring Killian down, she was willing to risk everything. Even her soul. All at once, Mercy realizes that it's all going to come to nothing. She's about to get caught. Killian's not going to get blamed for anything. Nothing more than being a shitty father and a lousy husband. Killing me won't solve her problems either. Everything's tumbled out of her control. Mercy, put down the gun. She whips her head around. Did she forget that I was here, or did she think that I was already dead? Her face hasn't changed, but her eyes have. The tiger I've been wrestling with all week is gone. She's been replaced by someone else. No. Someone broken. Please, Mercy, put it down, or they will shoot you when they come in here. Her face is a study in resignation. I see her shoulders shudder as she glances out the window. Mercy. Just tell them whatever you want, but don't let Killian get away with this. You've seen the kind of man he is. Please. Promise me that you'll tell them everything, Zeke. If you get out of this, promise me that. What do you say? Why am I bothering to ask such a stupid question? I know exactly what she plans to do. I'm sorry, Zeke. I only wanted to keep Liam safe. You know that, right? Don't. Tell Kendall that I loved her, and that her husband's a son of a bitch. Without a moment's hesitation, she lifts the gun to her temple and pulls the trigger. <laughs> the side of Mercy's head explodes in a crimson burst. A moment later, her body crumbles to the floor. For the second time in the last 24 hours, I've watched the life drain from another person's eyes. It's worse this time because, for all her faults, Mercy didn't deserve to die. My torso is burning, and I hear the heavy boots stomping their way towards me. I, I, I need to stay awake. If I, if I fall asleep, I... That I... I might... I might not... I don't want to die here. Okay, so that sucked. Thankfully, I didn't bleed out in that miserable fucking warehouse. I came frighteningly close, though. In the end, I blacked out. I was unconscious when the ambulance came, when they took me to Metro Hospital and patched up the massive hole Mercy put in my torso. When I woke up the next morning, a hard-faced young man was changing my IV. Just my luck. I get shot, and I don't even get a hot nurse to watch over me. Ah, what do I care? I'm lucky to still be alive. The police came and questioned me seven ways from Sunday. Blake West, Lieutenant Powers, they each spoke to me personally. I suspect that Powers took a private pleasure from seeing me laid up like this. Whatever, I'm still alive. They found Liam before I even woke up. Mercy shooting herself? That kind of solved the case without me having to walk them all through it. Sam told them a little bit more and I helped them fill in the final gaps. After that, there wasn't much to do but to rest and recover. That is, until a certain guest came walking through my door. Hearing a knock, I turned my head to see Kindle O'Malley. Mr. Adams? Yeah. 
It's Kendall O'Malley. I... How are you? I'll live. But I'll be honest, I feel like shit. I'm... I don't know what to say, Mr. Adams. This is all... You don't have to say anything. It's done. It's not, Mr. Adams. What are you... My son's alive. I have my son back home. And that's because of you. I was just doing my job. That's bullshit. We both know it. I feel like I ought to apologize for Mercy. She... There's just so much. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't. I'm sorry. It can't be easy to lose your sister. I lost her a long time ago, Mr. Adams. I had a rough time in my 20s. I tried to lean on her for support, but... Well, Mercy had become very cold. She couldn't let go of what happened to us when we were girls. She carried a lot of anger. When I left Killian, she... I knew she was angry. Angry at him and me, but I'd never have believed she'd be capable of this. Not in a million years. We're most blind to what's right in front of us. Yes. Anyway, Mr. Adams, I just... As she went silent again, I wished I could do more to reassure her. To tell her that everything was going to work out. In all honesty, I had no idea what was going to happen to them next. At least you've got Liam back. You can control that, at least. I can only control what I do, Mr. Adams, not what anyone else does. That sounds like a psychiatrist. It should. A shrink told me that when I was in the hospital. But it's true, you know. When you accept that you can't take responsibility for everyone else, it's very freeing, Mr. Adams. Call me, Zeke. There's no need to be so formal. We've both just gone through hell. <laughs> yes, I suppose we have. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you, Zeke. Killian and I both do. We're going to try again to make it work. We owe it to ourselves, to each other, to Liam. A simpler kind of life. That sounds very nice. Yes. Well, goodbye, Zeke. Goodbye, Kendall. As she walked away, I considered everything that had gone down. Kendall and Killian were combustible enough on their own. How long had Mercy been trying to light the fire herself? She'd done everything she could to tear them apart. In the end, she might end up being the thing that brought them back together. Of course, maybe it wouldn't last. Who knows? But today, right now, they're happy just to have their son back home. Their family was saved at the eleventh hour. The same can't be said for Killian's career. Mercy was well known enough that her death couldn't be pushed under the rug. She'd been in charge of one of the city's largest non-profits. And when you get down to it, Cleveland really is just a big small town. Once the story hit the papers, Killian asked for the trial to be delayed. The defense is scrambling to keep the case in Cleveland, but it looks like that's going to fail. Right now, they're debating whether or not to hold it in Columbus or Toledo. Whoever ends up trying that case, it won't be Killian O'Malley. Before the day was out, he'd turned in his resignation. Right now, he says he's focused on his son. He might be a piece of shit, but at least he's trying to be better. I watched news coverage of the whole ordeal from my hospital bed, glad to see that my name hadn't been mentioned. That was when I heard a familiar voice. How are you feeling? Mark, my old friend, walked over to my side. How do I feel? Not good, Mark. Not good. Well, you did get shot. Oh, right. 
I almost forgot. You're lucky to be alive, Ezekiel. <laughs> I know. I thought I told you not to do anything stupid. You told me not to get myself killed. I'm still here. Well, the don't do something stupid part was implied. I'm serious. You're lucky. If she'd shot you a little higher. Trust me, I'm aware. Listen, I'm glad to see you, but if all you did was come by to say I told you so... That's not what I meant. I'm gonna be fine. You... I... What you did was reckless. You should have called the cops. That Blake bastard, as much as you hate him... I didn't want to spook her off. Besides, who would have expected her to shoot me? That's my point, Zeke. You didn't think. Ever since we ended things, you've been doing things like that. You're playing with fire. Yeah, well, normally I don't go near cases like this. You know that. There were... extenuating circumstances. But I know your methods. Breaking into places, fraternizing with the wife of a mob enforcer... Any one of those things could fuck you over, Zeke. Are you jealous? I'm sorry, I only... I'm just worried about you, Zeke. I don't want to have to bury you. I've buried enough people that I care about. Well, you won't have to, okay? Besides, Justine and I... That's over with now. He eyed me warily. I'm serious. Besides, I've been forced off my feet for the next couple weeks anyway. I couldn't take another case if I wanted to, and I'm in no mood to get myself shot again. I'll be careful. You'd better be. Trust me. You're going to have to put up with me for a long time. Take care of yourself, Ezekiel. It was another hour before Sam came to visit me. When she arrived, she rushed in, asking if I was all right about a dozen different times. After a few minutes, I decided to change the subject. How's it going at the office? I meant it as a joke, but Sam actually had an answer. Well, you've got a call from Abner. He saw your name in the news. He wanted to know if you were still on his case or not. He sounded pretty frantic. I told him I'd have you call him back. That actually made me laugh. Poor Abner. He was caught up in the middle of this shit. The only case I'd actually wanted, and it was the only one left for me to solve. However, considering my current state, that didn't seem particularly likely. I'm sorry, boss, but two out of three ain't bad. Right, well, give Meatloaf my regards. <laughs> yeah, sure. Listen, you're going to have to manage by yourself for a few days. A week, maybe two. What? She rolled her eyes as she leaned against the side of my bed. They're lying to make you feel better. When I told them I was your business partner, they told me I should be prepared for you to be out of the office for almost a month. Ah, oh, fuck that. They don't want you doing any vigorous activity for at least eight weeks. They know I'm a private detective, right? Independent investigator. Whatever. It's a hell of a thing. Fucking hell. You said this isn't usual, right? That you're normally following people cheating on their wives? Or their husbands. I bet it's more husbands cheating on their wives. You know, actually, it seems pretty... Hmm. You know, I don't know. I never... I never really keep track. Anyway, what is this? A Margaret Sanger convention? As long as someone's paying, I don't care who I'm following. Well, I'm going to keep track. As long as you don't stop answering the phone. 
She flashed me a sour look. You're lucky you just got shot. Hmm, maybe you're onto something. From now on, maybe I'll only talk to other dudes. Oh, speaking of dudes, there was this guy in the office asking about you. Salt and pepper hair, wore a tight sweater. He said he knew you. Mark? Yeah, he knows me. Normally, I don't go in for older guys, but he was kind of cute. <laughs> Trust me, you're not his type. Hey, come on now. I won't cockblock you, boss, but you've got to show me the same courtesy. Fine, but you're still not his type. How do you know? Because I'm his type. Oh, in that case, he's all yours. Right. Anyway, you've been getting a lot of calls since the news came out. Now that everyone knows you broke the case, you're getting a lot of attention. Really? Nobody said anything on TV. Was it in the paper? Sam nodded and tossed a copy of The Plain Dealer into my lap. There, smeared with bright yellow highlighter, was a paragraph mentioning that it helped the police track Mercy down. Help? Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. I scanned for a headshot but didn't see any. For independent investigators, having your face become well-known is a sure way to kill your business. We do our best to work incognito. It's hard to do that when you're plastered all over the news. They didn't print a picture, did they? No, just your name and the office number. Good. Yeah, that'd make it kind of hard to blend in. Yeah, you're not kidding. This city's not big enough to ever fully disappear into. Especially if people are looking for you. Well, they know about you. This case made national news. 60 Minutes is coming in. Aren't you a bit young for 60 Minutes? Whatever, I'm informed. Well, I needed a vacation anyway. You got shot. I've actually been shot before, but this was different. Wait, really? When were you shot before? That's not important right now. I'm just saying. I... I need some time to clear my head. How could I put it all into words? Mercy had started off as a source for information. She turned herself into a hot fling, then a trusted confidant. Then she'd almost killed me. I let her get too close, that's why I missed it. I was blinded. I allowed myself to trust her. Wait a minute. Suddenly I had a realization. Are you okay, boss? G give me a moment. I reached over and grabbed my cell phone off the bedside table. Chelsea had given me her card and I'd programmed it into my phone. Now, I pulled it up and pressed send as quickly as I could. It only took a couple of rings. Westmarch and friends. It's me, Zeke Adams. Mr. Adams, I didn't expect to hear from you. Are you calling so I can recommend a friend? No, there's just one thing I need you to clear up for me. Wait, you're still working Abner's thing? Seriously? I thought I heard you got shot. It's not as bad as it sounds, I lied. And is that really a surprise? You just tried to convince me to hire one of your friends. Mr. Adams, I have a colleague who makes weekly visits to a nursing home, just to give an old prick a handjob. Okay, well, no thank you. I just have one question. Alright, what is it? You said that a friend of yours got you into a party where you met Abner, right? My friend's sister. She had tickets. Your friend? What's her last name? Her real last name? Parker. And just like that? I knew everything. Thank you very much, Ms. Westmarch. You've been a big help. Goodbye, Mr. Adams. I turned to Sam, who was still standing beside my bed. I need you to call Abner, okay? Have him bring his assistant, Riley. Tell them I've discovered something really important. Really? 
Yes, and hurry before Abner does something stupid. It was well after the end of visiting hours by the time that Abner and Riley arrived. I bribed the head nurse to let them in, and I offered another hundred to call up one of the security guards the moment they came inside. If I was right, this wouldn't take very long. Abner was notably on edge. Neither one of them seemed eager to be here, but I had Sam here, having each of them sign a piece of paper. I had her tell them that it was a form the hospital needed for them to stay after hours. It was a lie, but it was an easy one. You'll see why in just a moment. Hey, I said. I'm glad the two of you could come. Listen, Adams, I'm sorry that you got hurt, but I thought you were only working on my case. I'm sorry, Abner. I'm sworn to secrecy. I couldn't exactly talk about it. Well, there's nothing to be done now anyway. You seem pretty relaxed. I'm resigned to the fact that I have to resign. I can't change what's happening. I can't do anything. So yeah, I'm going to pay you for the hours that you were on my case. But that's it. Tomorrow, I resign. Is that what you want? You know I don't. But I'm not waiting another month for you to get out of here. They've already threatened me. They've threatened Riley. It has to stop. About that. Riley, I don't suppose you brought the pictures with you. She shook her head. That's okay. I already took the liberty of having them examined by forensics. What? Fingerprints. Anyway, not exactly state-of-the-art, but I've still got a friend or two who can run them through the main criminal databases. I suppose you'd like the results. The ones I handed you? What could that prove? This has been on my desk for days. Do you know how many people could have touched those? Except for the one that I took personally, directly from the mail cart. Remember? Last Friday? Abner smirked darkly. You stole mail from me. That was bold. That's why people hire me. So what did you find out? I nodded towards Riley. Do you want to tell him, or should I? Her eyes opened wide. What? How could I... Riley, what's he talking about? I don't have any idea. Ah, uh, sure you do. You just don't want to say it. Are you sure you're all right, Adams? Maybe we should... Honestly, I should have seen it earlier. But there were so many things pointing to Miss Talaverger that I overlooked the most obvious suspect. And your perfect motive. Abner froze, turning towards Riley. You're crazy. Am I? I did a pretty good job of keeping my arrangement with Abner under the radar. I didn't run into Shimiyuro until Monday, and Lucy was in the dark for a day after that. So how did the blackmailer know that Abner had hired a detective? You're giving yourself too much credit, Adams. You're not that clever. I'm clever enough. I got the envelope on Friday without you or Abner having a chance to touch it. And I have a sneaking suspicion that if we compare your fingerprints to the one I found inside, they'll be a perfect match. You're trying to finger me because you can't admit that you failed. I'm not going to stand for that. Do you hear me? I'm... As for motive... Abner hasn't given you stock options the way other high-level executives doled out theirs. That must have hurt. To realize your own boss is either too greedy or too oblivious to let you in on the big payday. Riley, is what he's saying... Of course not. I didn't even... The blackmailer threatened me too. Was everyone forgetting that? Only when I started getting close. You knew what I was doing every step of the way. You knew on Friday that I was close. At the time... My focus was on the wrong person, but all it would take was the right clue. Abner stepped forward, 
staring at Riley with a mixture of fear and surprise. Looking back, it's amazing how cavalier you were about your boss almost getting destroyed. Anyone else would have realized that their fate was tied to his. But you already knew that you had no rewards coming to you for your loyalty, so you had nothing to lose by blowing it all up, did you? Of course, just getting a big payoff, that wouldn't be enough. Abner had to suffer. That's why the blackmail was so specific, forcing him to resign, giving up his stock options. You'd still be safely ensconced, high on the totem pole at one of the region's biggest companies. High on the... You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Adams. How hard I work. Not hard enough. Abner didn't give you any options at all, so where's your windfall? Go fuck yourself. I work my ass off for this company. For him. And I don't ask for anything. Anything. And now you have the... the... How dare you accuse me of this? Hey, maybe I'm wrong. There's a simple way to check. Why don't you swing by the second district? Ask for Detective Stroh. She'll take your fingerprints. Then we won't need to bother getting a search warrant. All those pictures you sent? I bet they match to your printer. Match pictures? What the hell are you talking about? All inkjet printers leave an ID marker, Riley. Don't you know that? It's invisible to the naked eye, but to a forensics team? Well, for them, matching photos is a piece of cake. They'll see whether or not they came off the printer in your house. I didn't, just because... That won't prove anything. The truth is, this was just the final straw. You've been angry with Admir for a long time. You think he's a selfish pig. Holy shit. Riley? You don't have any proof. What the hell did you do? There are a million people with the same printer. They can't all be different. Riley, what did well, you do? Well, then it shouldn't be a problem to let the police compare your fingerprints. I've touched all the envelopes. What's that going to show? That I picked up the mail? Abner, you're not really going to believe this, are you? And you were one of the only ones who knew about Abner's girl on the side. Not just that he had one, but who she was and where she lived. Because one of the dark little secrets that you've been hiding is that your sister is an escort. She and Chelsea, they got their tickets to Syncorp's big event from you, Riley. That's how she and Abner met. You're responsible for fueling his dirty little habit, and seeing him, it reminds you of the sister that you still refuse to talk to. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to listen for another second. Riley, what about your fingerprints? I'm not going to waste my time on this loser's hunch, especially when I've had my life threatened by some maniac. Don't worry. You don't need to go yourself. When you came inside, Sam had you sign a piece of paper. Once your backs were turned, she sealed them in plastic baggies, perfectly preserved for pulling prints. Riley glared, confused, flummoxed, angry. Her hands balled into a fist. Her whole body began to shake. You're out of your goddamn mind. Riley, was it really you this whole time? Of course it was me, you stupid shit. If you weren't fucked up all the time, maybe you'd actually get to know the people around you. I... For six goddamn years. Six years. I've been waiting on you like some goddamn servant for the better part of a fucking decade, and when the ship finally comes in, you're going to keep it all for yourself? What the fuck's the matter with you? I earned the... I earned it! I came in before you every fucking day! Stayed late how many nights? Weekends? Holidays? I worked my ass off for this fucking company and you treat me like a piece of shit, like I'm some mindless piece of equipment instead of a person you talk to every fucking day. When's the last time you asked me how I was, huh? What are movies I like? When's my goddamn birthday? You have no idea. 
You just walk all over me, all over everyone in the department. You think because you were lucky enough to have the money to invest at the right fucking time that you can just walk on air, that nothing can touch you. Riley. Well, I can touch you. I know everything about you, Abner. I know the girls you fuck and the name of your fucking dealer. I scheduled the doctor's appointments you used after you got an STD, remember that? I know everything and I'm tired of being powerless. I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm tired, Abner. I'm fucking tired. You're fired. Go ahead, fire me. I'll release everything. Go ahead. Ebner and Riley both turned to look at me, their mouths hanging open. What? what? Go ahead. Release everything. It's not going to make a difference. Are you kidding? Shimura would have- He already knows, Abner. He doesn't give a shit. Not as long as you do your job. Your feud with Lucy, that's what's going to fuck you over. Riley turned towards Abner. You'll damage the whole company if you do that. Are you willing to bring down the whole place with you? Are you really that selfish? Are you kidding? Shut up. Have you watched the news? No one's going to care about some random business executive caught doing drugs. Hell, with all the shit coming out about Killian O'Malley, you'll be lucky if any reporter gives you the time of day. You're wrong. I'll go to Gizmodo or Valleywag and I'll- And do what? Tell them there's an executive at Syncorp who snorts coke? It might be a bigger story if Abner was the only one. That might make this the most moral tech company of the century. You don't know what- Ah, oh, please. Do you know what the heads of Facebook were up to? You might have something if Abner was the next Mark Zuckerberg, but he's not even the next Eduardo Severin. Nobody cares. She turned back towards Abner. They'll destroy you. The worst case scenario, he gets a comfy buyout. Sorry, kid. But without your anonymity, your leverage is gone. Fuck you, I hope you go to hell. <laughs> it's gonna take more than that to phase me after what I've just been through. Riley leaned forward, hawking up a thick wad of spit. She launched it right at my face, and I felt a warm splatter spread across my cheek. I tried to keep my cool as I grabbed a tissue and wiped it away. Then, I turned towards Abner. There's a security guard waiting outside, but you should probably call the cops. You think this is the end? This isn't the end. I'm gonna shout what I know from the rooftops. I just won't ruin Abner, motherfucker. I'll ruin you too. I'll talk about all the shady shit you've been up to, the things you've done. Yeah, a private dick getting dirty? That'll really make the front page. Poor Riley. Thirty years ago, these threats might have meant something. But we've all grown numb to the transgressions of the rich and powerful. Abner wasn't a Cosby or an Epstein. His partners were eager, willing as long as the check's cleared. In the end, she's not wrong about Abner being a piece of shit, but the way she went about it, well, Riley proved herself to be no better. All she'd managed to do was drag herself down in the muck beside him. She risked everything on her quest to make him pay, and it almost worked. Almost. But almost isn't enough. It took another hour for things to finally settle down, the security guard came in to check on the commotion, and he served as a brick wall to keep Riley from leaving. The police arrived shortly thereafter. Blake West came with them. He made a smart remark about how not even getting shot could keep me from getting into trouble. On that, well, I guess he had a point. But I finally had what had eluded me for the last week. Peace of mind. Of course, all of that came with a price. Two people were dead. Another was going to jail. 
Killian's career is over, and nothing I can do will ever warm the empty place in Justine's bed. Sometimes the endings aren't happy, they're bittersweet. But as bad as it could be, it could have been a lot worse. Liam was back with his parents. Justine found a semblance of justice. The doctors want me to take it easy. That might last me for a week or two. But before long, I know I'll be on the streets again. Cleveland's always got more loose ends that need taken care of. That means that guys like me are rarely sure to work. Next time, I'll do my best not to get myself shot. Bullets and Rust is written, recorded, and edited by Abraham Dunn. The theme music is written and performed by Avril McAnally. The cast for this episode was... Samantha Hawkins as Kendall O'Malley. Seth Hawkins as Mark Hirsch. Allison Lightbody as Mercy Malone. Alexandria Marshall as Riley Parker. Colin McCormick as Abner Forrest. Bridget Papaginitas as Samantha Larkin. Lucy Virginia as Chelsea Westmarch. It should go without saying, but this series is entirely fictional, as are its characters. Any claims of resemblance to actual people says more about the person making them than it does about this show. This has been a Needle Drop production.